I've said it probably a thousand times or more in my ministry that we'll get out of him much more than what we put in but if we'll just put in something we'll just put in something here I am God I surrender some of us are too busy going through the formalistic stuff or the traditional things and the motions and we miss the presence we miss the move that God has, is trying to have in this hour. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, and I'm going to say it, and I don't want to sound too harsh, but welcome to Venture Church. I'm glad you're here. But I've made my mind up. I can't take you to heaven, but I can get this guy there. And I'm going to worship him all the way. I'm not dragging in. It's not when the saints come dragging in. I'm not going through, through heaven's gates just barely making it. Oh, Lord, if we just get there. No, you can do it your way if you want to. I'm dancing out of this place. Even on my deathbed, I pray that I can dance on out of this house. Amen. And so I, I want you to know that God wants to touch you today. And I hope uh, before this day is over, that will be the case for you. Before this service is over. Amen. I'm tired of professional Christianity. I'm tired of American Christianity. We muddied the water so much you can't even see it anymore. You don't even see the Christ in Christian. Lord, y'all ain't going to like this today, but I'm going to love it anyway. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I'm going to read this out of the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. Thank you, singers. Nick, just stay there for a minute. You don't have to stay there the whole service. Jacob, you can go. I know you always hang by Nick, but I'm going to make sure that's clear that you can go watch your children because the nursery's been complaining. I'm just kidding. That's a total joke, just a total joke. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. For a few preacher moments, and I pray that God will, we're going to pray here again in a minute, but I pray that God will touch you. But I want to just try, if I can, to talk to you about purpose, designed on purpose, with a purpose, for his purpose. Amen. God didn't design you for you. <laughs> the problem is the person in the mirror, you think that's the most important thing in the universe when it's supposed to be the least. Woo, it's going to be fun. I'm already sweating, so I get mad when I sweat, so I preach harder. <laughs> Designed on purpose. Let's, let's just set your media devices and Bibles down. Let's, let's just ask God one more time and thank him one more time. Father, we thank you for your presence that we already feel. Jesus, you're already stepping through the corridors of this house. You're already here, God. People just need to reach out and touch you. We thank you for what you've done, what you're doing. And God, I thank you for what you're going to do. And I ask that your word, God, would cut to the hearts. Your anointed word would cut to the hearts of people in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, Pastor Nick. Man, y'all did a good job today. Huh? Even with the mustache you referred to on Wednesday. If y'all weren't here on Wednesday, y'all can hear this message on mustache. <laughs> Now you have to go click on Wednesday and find it somewhere. I don't know where they, he probably hid that message. He puts all my, my bombs out there for people to laugh at. 
designed with a purpose. How many of you in here believe you were designed with a purpose? Two, three, four, anybody? Five, six, okay. Now y'all raise your hand all nervous. (laughs) It's not a test. (laughs) Designed with a purpose for his purpose. That's our challenge. We believe that we have purpose. We believe we were designed with a purpose, but a lot of us struggle with it being for his purpose. Now, I'm not going to get into the total purpose of everything, but we'll try to, we'll try to scratch the surface if, I'm, if I can. I learned that design is very important. And now, at the beginning of the, in 20, the beginning or the first few months of 2020, I, I did a variation of this um, to a screen. Or where did we have that set up? We didn't even do it over here. I think we did it. Did we do it up here? I was all by myself, right? Do you remember? Who was filming? Were y'all standing like right there? No, it's not, a, it's not a trick question. Whoever was here, just say something. <laughs> see, these young guys that make fun of us older people, God's going to let us live long enough to see you do it. Or let me live long enough to be mean when I'm old. But right, so um, I learned that design was important. Now, um, this building, as many of you know, I won't go through the whole story, but it was not intended to be built uh, or me to be a general contractor. And, and if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or complaints, take them to another church because we're not interested. Because <laughs> it fell in my lap accidentally and I've never done it before. And I don't know how to read blueprints. I know how to read the writing on blueprints. But when it has all them, you know all them numbers and they have different lines this way and this way and they all have numbers and they're pointing different directions and all that stuff, Right? See, some of the guys that have done building here, you know what I'm talking about. Y'all can read it. Well, don't laugh at people that can't. Right? Because what I would say to you is um, other folks that do other things could probably stump you on their things. Right? So all the builders in here, drop your little attitude right now. <laughs> but I, I found out how important in this, in this time it was that, wow, you got to know some stuff. You got to know all the different angles and all, not just the design of the building, but they had to design, as y'all know, the lights had to be designed. There was a, I didn't even know. I was like, hang lights, who cares? Well, it'll cast shadows if you do here, and if it'll cast shadows, well, then what about that? And then the AC guy, which was Nick's dad, and uh, the electrician nearly got in a fist fight. No, I'm just kidding. It didn't happen. That was totally, I made that up. But, but right, they had to say, well, these, these things running here, they got to put the lights a certain distance and a certain thing, and I'm like, I had no idea you were supposed to do that stuff. How many of you knew that? Yeah, so all, yeah, I know the builders did. Y'all stay to yourself for a minute. Stay in your lane, stay in your lane. Right, <laughs> right? I didn't know that if you don't put the tray underneath these metal walls, there's like a little channel that goes in there. When it rains or you get a lot of water on your sidewalk, it's coming in your building. Guess what they didn't put on this building? <laughs> that little channel that goes there, and guess who didn't know it even existed? Right? So I didn't even know it was supposed to be there until after the fact. So we're going to get out there with a bunch of silicone, and we'll do it with some silicone or, or duct tape or something. We'll get it done. Uh, just kidding. We won't, have, we won't use duct tape. I think there's Gorilla Tape now. But um, So I learned a lot. There's a lot to know about design designing how the AC units would sit up in those rooms and how we would close that wall and all the, all the electrical bending and 
all that stuff was so, wow, it was amazing. And then when, they're doing, when they did the foundation, I was really amazed because they come out here and they start digging all these trenches and they, they did it with a concrete thing I'd never seen before. But when they did it, they had this big truck and it had this conveyor belt, boom, that would go out like 100 feet. And it would go and there's a guy with a remote and he would pour all these ditches around here first and all the piers and beams. Don't check out yet. See, you don't know either. That's why it's boring you. Right, so they're pouring it all out in there, and I'm watching. I'm fascinated. I'm like, "Wow, I had no idea it took all this." To, <laughs> they're doing it. Thankfully, I had some a little bit of help, but uh, they're doing that. And then they pull out this big thing. It's about like that, and it's a uh, thing that uh, if you do a sidewalk, if you ever seen those things they do with that, they pop it like that, and it gets the air bubbles out. It's called a jitterbug. Does anybody know that? Who screamed out jitterbug? Was that Al? Al trying to embarrass me. I knew what it was, Al. No, but right, so in this, this one, they didn't have a jitter. They had a big old thing like this, looked like a big bullet. And they dropped it down in there in these three-foot walls that go around the base. And, it's going, and you can feel the whole ground just shaking like that. And I'm like, man, y'all fixing to mess something up. <laughs> I feel it shaking. Holy Ghost is moving. Maybe we need to do that in here right now, just drop one of them big things on the floor. Y'all know something's happening. Anyway, I won't spend time to take you through the entire building process, but I was fascinated by it and I was intimidated by it because I didn't know. I found out that design is very important. Plans are very important. And we're finding out even on this new building, I'm finding out a lot of stuff. I might as well interject here. The electric over here has been fascinating for me. Fascinating and it's very costly because going from three phase to single phase, apparently there's a lot to do in wire is nearly $3 a foot, y'all. And we've had to buy hundreds and hundreds of feet. And they told me yesterday, we need another 200. And I was like, oh, Jesus. But uh, after I hit them, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I'm finding out that it's important to know ahead of time. It's important. Design is very important. I learned through these processes. And how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, have had experiences in your life where you had to go through something and you realize, wow, maybe I should have planned a little bit better. Maybe I should have hired the right. <laughs> Those contractors in the room will tell you it's terrible to have to go clean up some other contractor. His mess. Right? See, I know I heard two contractors. I know because every time I hire somebody to clean up the mess of the guy I hired, <laughs> they say, we hate doing this. It's going to cost you triple. And, right? But you learn it's very important. We live in a time that's unprecedented. We live in a momentous time. We live in a time, times like we've never seen. And I believe we've barely scratched the surface, obviously, of this millennium that we live in. And we, we believe that it's the sixth millennium, as do most Bible scholars would agree with that assessment. And, but did you know that every millennium we have, there's dramatic change. Every millennium shift, there seems to be a harbinger of significant events throughout our human history. We've found that out over the last 6,000 years through history, that there's these significant things that take place. The one, the one we're a part of today, I believe, is going to be the greatest of all time. I believe that this will be the one that will be absolutely unique in all of history. Nothing will be like what we live in today. I believe the Lord is coming back and he's coming back for a bride that has made herself ready. He's coming back for a church 
that's ready. It seems impossible that his coming will not be in my lifetime in this millennium. I don't know how God can restrain from coming back. But there's another reason I believe this millennium promises to be like no other. When you look at the first one, the world was so sunk in sin that the Bible describes it by saying that the imagination of every heart was evil continually. It was so deep in sin that it was evil continually. It was so bad that God repented that he had ever made man. <laughs> That's your Bible. <laughs> he repented that he even created man, but at just about the change of the millennium, a baby was born. His name was Noah, and hope was born with him. Now, you may remember some of this from 2020, early 2020. I'm gonna repeat some of it. But he would be a preacher of righteousness and would build a way of escape. And through his faith, through his obedience, humankind would escape this terrible event, this terrible time. And then the dawn of the second millennium change it changed the world was about to see again or rather there was change the world was going to see again the world was lost in such darkness and idolatry that mankind had even forgotten the most fundamental aspect of God's nature that God is just one lord at just about the millennium change a baby was born whose name was Abram he would hear the voice of God one God and found a nation on the knowledge of just that one God. He would receive a promise. It says this, and in your seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. At the third millennium, that nation was in disarray. It was ravaged, tore up by enemies. But at just about the change, another baby was born. His name was David. He not only rose to the throne, vanquished Israel's enemies, and brought peace and security to the nation, but he also brought hope to the entire world. For that kingdom was established upon a promise given by God himself that from his lineage, a savior would come, a savior for all mankind. At the fourth millennium change, the world was once again lost in hopelessness, sin, Darkness, injustice, idolatry was everywhere. Spiritual darkness was running rampant. But at just about the change, there was another baby born. And this one, this time, an angel would come and say, you shall call his name Jesus, for he saves his people from their sins. And at that moment, everything changed. The lights came on, hope was alive again. A church was established that hell could not defeat. Then came that fifth millennium change. The Western world lay in the grip of terror, or error rather, and corruption and ignorance. The Bible was a mystery guarded by a church that was steeped in tradition and false doctrine. And many false doctrines came from those times and are still embraced even today. It was chained to the walls of cathedrals hidden in a language that masses could not and did not understand. It was hand-copied, incredibly expensive way to do it and as remote to the average person as the moon is to you and I. 
The vast majority of humankind was wallowing in ignorance and superstition, dependent on the few educated for any knowledge. The common people lived in squalor and fear and hunger and died. Died of old age in their 30s and 40s. It had been more than 700 years since apostolic truth had been freely preached, since any great number of people had spoken in tongues and been baptized in Jesus' name, and the world would wait 900 more years. This milestone saw no baby born, no deliverer suddenly come to set all things right. Why is that? Why, God, why? Had God forgotten his promises? Has God forgotten his purposes? God did not forget. The reason no baby was born to bring hope was because hope had been born already. A thousand years before it had been recorded, Acts chapter 2 reads this, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Then there appeared unto them cloven or divided tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. The church was already in the world. The church is still in the world. The church then was already in the world. It was just weak. It was weak for sure. Still only an infant. Comparatively speaking in time, it was hunted, it was hidden, it was persecuted, it was hated, it was anemic, but the church was alive. There was a remnant that was still alive and well. And although she was resisted and persecuted on every hand, often with the sword and the fire, she endured and slowly, step by step by step, brought men closer and closer to truth. From Martin Luther's revelations, revelation rather, that the just shall live by faith through the Reformation and the Great Awakening, earnest people, earnest seekers, if you will, followed the unfolding light until finally, Nearly 500 years after it all began, the church was brought to the full truth of one God, water baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost that we preach today. And I want you to know today, this morning, you did, this church did not just stumble on the scene. It didn't just accidentally come here. It's not just an accident of history. It's not a phenomenon of the 20th century. We are the culmination of the eternal purpose of God. He deliberately designed us for this day, for this hour, for this Sunday morning Adventure Church. Everything he did was on purpose for his purpose. God, isn't that amazing? We now stand here, 2022, and we live in a culture that thinks they know everything. And they were designed on purpose for their purpose solely. We live in the most selfish, self-centered, self-absorbed generation in history. Sixth millennium, we can't match it. Did you know that in history? We can't match what we are in the Americas or in America. 
Isn't that amazing? That's not a compliment, by the way. (laughs) We stand this morning on this new day, if you will, no longer a future hope. I believe the church is a present hope. And let me say here that the church is needed today more than ever. The gathering place that we call church house, this is needed now more than ever. They need to come in as if it's a hospital to get whole again, to get well and healed again. They need to come and get their their wounds bound and they need to get their emotions that have been tattered, they need to get them mended again. Church shouldn't be a place you fear, the church house should be a place you long for. Let me, just, let me just interject and encourage somebody. Stay away from isolation. It's the devil's place. Yeah. Isolation's a dangerous place to be. If that fits you this morning, run from it. The church is no longer an infant, not immature, not weak, not anemic, not bound by tradition. I believe the church is alive and well. And I believe the church today is victorious, regardless of what the reports may say. There are millions of people around the world that are part of this church, that have been filled with his spirit, that have been baptized in his name, that are running to him and passionately pursuing him. The church is alive and well and vibrant and it's on fire. (laughs) People who love the name of Jesus People who love that name are baptized in that name. They've repented of their sins. They've been filled with the Spirit. They live disciplined and godly lives. They long to be like him and more like him each day. This church is unique in all of history. The world has never seen anything like this church. Don't get confused with the church house. The world has never seen anything like this, but they've longed for it all of their lives. You long for it or you wouldn't be here. Well, I just came for this reason. No, you'd have a longing inside of you that was placed in you at birth. God put it in you when he put you in your mother's womb. There's a longing and a desire because he created us to fellowship with him. He created us with purpose. The church, if you'll notice in the text, it describes the people who are kept by the power of God. These people are the church kept by the power of God for almost 2,000 years. And no matter what circumstances the church found itself in, the hand of God has always kept the church. The hand of God has always breathed life into his bride, the church. In the world, but not of the world, Jesus promised And not subject to the world, but triumphant and victorious. Yes, you are in the world, but you should not be of the world. If you mirror the world, I hope you hear me this morning. God didn't intend us to be like the world. He called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We were not supposed to fellowship with darkness any longer. Trying to help somebody today. We look so much like, and I'm not talking about an outward appearance as much as I'm talking about our inward attitudes and our attitudes that come out of us. The world recognizes each of us as one of their own. That's a sad day for the American church. Called us out of to, we are a triumphant and victorious. 
Be of good cheer, he says in John 16, for I have overcome this world. He's overcome the world that you might not have to. The church was not kept for its own sake, but the church was kept for a greater purpose. In fact, the church was preserved. The word kept has another meaning. It also means or can mean put up, saved, stored, or preserved for a future purpose. The Bible says the church was kept by the power of God, stored from or stored for some future time, for some future purpose. But now I believe we're in the last days and in these last days, it's ready to be revealed. This is why I've been so urgent in my spirit and my prayers. I came here this morning, probably while you were sleeping. <laughs> I came here this morning with an urgency in my spirit because I feel like revival's about to break out. And I've, and I've been t asking God, are we ready, God, in Venture Church? Are we ready for the revival that's coming to Burnett, Texas in this region? Are we ready to receive all those that are gonna run in hurt and bruised and battered and beaten, looking for something better, looking for something different, looking for something to challenge them? I believe that God kept his church for this time. This revealing will not be to bring attention or applause to any particular building or place. Rather, it will be to bring attention to the glory of God. He's the one that preserved it, not me. I've pastored 17 years here. I've not preserved the church. I've just been appointed over this house. God appointed, or rather God preserved the church. The church will in the last days become a testimony for all the world to see and marvel at the plan and purpose of God himself. They'll look on us and they'll say, wow, what's going on over there? What's happening in that place? I believe we're on a hill for a reason. God put us on this hill for a reason so the world could see the fire of the Holy Ghost coming from this place. The church will become a living advertisement for the grace of God. I've shared these th some of these things before, but my mom had formal dining wear. My wife has china. Y'all know that we've never taken out of the cabinets. We hire somebody to come clean it about once every three years, dust up there where we don't get. <laughs> and when you come in, we make sure nothing's focused on that so you stay at a distance and don't see all the dust in there. How is it you can have a sealed thing and dust get in? Has that ever fascinated anybody else? <laughs> Man, you can put all kinds of sealing up around it and everything. It'd be cobwebs up in there. It's like, how'd it get in there? You know, see, that's a fast, that's one of those questions you ask yourself. Maybe on, on, when we get in glory, we can say, God, how'd that happen? I don't think that'll be the most pertinent question on our minds. <laughs> well, some clean freaks in here it might be. But we had all that stuff. See, we don't, we don't set the kitchen table for everyday meals with that stuff. No, we've got in the cabinet right by the stove, there's a stack of hefty styrofoam plates about that deep. And sometimes when the grandkids are over, we just throw a napkin or a paper towel or nothing. With Braden's kids, you just toss it in the floor and they'll run over and eat it. <laughs> you want some fruit snacks, Orin? Here you go, buddy. <laughs> You know why Connie's laughing. She knows I'm telling the truth. <laughs> That's all right. Those kids are immune. They eat dirt, baby. <laughs> See, we don't do it. We don't put that, that formal stuff out for just anybody, right? We don't do it for just anybody. It's a special time. 
I, I'm very careful when I walk through the dining room. We've got my mother's old, uh, old pie safe that's in, in our family for I don't know how many generations, but it's old. It's a couple hundred years, I think, or more. And it's, it's nice. It's not worth anything to you maybe, but it means a lot to me. I remember as a kid that if we went near it or breathed on it, out of nowhere, my mother fell out like a ninja. <laughs> it, really, she did. That little bitty thing come out, man, and with a shoe or something or a piece of barbed wire and just start swatting on you. I'm just kidding. It wasn't barbed wire. It was wire, but it didn't have no barbs on it. <clears throat> they were special. They were reserved for a particular thing, a particular guest or for a special occasion. And on those occasions, you would set the table and the cups and the saucers and the napkins and the silverware. Because when I grew up, by the way, we had linen napkins. And everybody dried their hand on the same towel in the kitchen. It was nasty. Y'all remember the truck stop when she pulled them out of that thing? Right? And it run out. You go in there. Inevitably, you go to one and it was ended. And it, who knows those things? I'm talking about the machines, right? You pull it and it was ended and you knew. You're like, oh. So you choose your pants instead. <laughs> so you put these special things out. You lay it all out and it's all set just right. And my mother was so prim and proper. You know, she was so into etiquette. And she was that little Catholic thing, you know. And she, you had to learn that the, where the plates Y'all didn't do that stuff in your house, right? I mean, you couldn't even set something down, man. My mother was there wiping it up. She'd take your plate if you stopped eating for three seconds. Oh, you're done. We need to clean that now. But we'd lay out that special stuff, and it'd be saved, and it brought out for just those times and be put in their intent. And then when the guests arrive, the table setting is a testimony that someone cared that someone cared about the guests that was coming. Someone had made provision for them and all this was done so they would know that they were welcome in your house. I believe, I want you to hear me, I believe God right now is about to prepare a table. Amen. He's preparing a table. He's setting the table. He has for so long kept the church for the most part preserved in the cabinet of history, sometimes completely out of view and sometimes seen but in a distance. But now I believe he's ready. I believe he's ready to reveal everything. He's gonna reveal his church to this world. He wants this world to know that he loves them. He's made provision for them and they are welcome in his house. It's not God that messed up, y'all, it's us. We're the one that made church nasty. <laughs> You don't have to say, man. I, I, I've been guilty, man. I've been the guy that I thought I was. I thought I was so open-minded, and I realized I had real narrow vision. Oh, okay, all you open-minded people, sure. Right? Have you ever judged a book by its cover? Anybody want to admit that? Huh? You never knew the person, but because of the way they looked. The color of their skin, the dress that they had on, the, the beautiful attire. See, not everybody can have the, y'all see these beautiful shoes? Aren't those cool? My wife's face on my sock. Right, aren't those cool? Not everybody can look like this. It's all right, right? I believe God is ready to set the table. He's ready to reveal it all. He wants everyone welcome in his house. He wants this world to know that he loves them. He wants this world to know, come, 
I want to sup with you. I believe he will place the church in its proper intended place as a testimony of his love, as a testimony of his provision. I believe God is about to do those things. We were kept by the power of God just for this moment, just for this hour. God designed this church. It's not a creation of man. No denomination owns this. No non-denominational owns this. No independent owns this. No country owns this. No group of people owns this. God created the church. He designed it himself. He knew our day was coming and he designed us with this day in mind. Israel was designed for something other than Egypt. The people of God were not designed for slavery. They were not designed for wandering in the wilderness. They were not designed for captivity by their enemies. Not at all. They were designed for greater things. Israel was to be, they were to be occupiers. They were to be builders and conquerors. We too are designed for great things. Sometimes the enemy would have us settle for less than we were made for. Some of you in this room today have settled where you're at, but let me encourage you, step up. God made you for greater things. He designed you with greater purpose. We're designed for great things. It's his favorite tactic for those he cannot defeat. Just keep them from becoming all they can be. This is what Satan desires. Keep them from stepping out. Some things are certain. One of those things are we are not designed for fear. The revealing of the church that Peter foretold will not be all good. There'll be distortion. There'll be misrepresentation. There'll even be persecution. There are those who will call us crazy names like, and I've been a part of these, call us crazy names like cults, call me something like false teacher. They'll use terms like heretical or heresy. They'll use terms like false doctrine or legalists. They have these buzzwords that are designed and meant to discredit your message, to discredit what we have to say instead of going to the word of God. They will quote extra biblical writings over the Bible itself and claim the authority of an extra biblical writing over scripture. Well, they, that person that wrote that book had a better understanding because they lived in this hour or this day. Let me tell you something. If it doesn't line up to the written word of God, it should not alarm us. Jesus said they hated me and they'll hate you for my name's sake. Everything you do in his name, somebody's gonna hate you for it. Hang on a minute. It's gonna be wild ride from here until the rapture. We're getting ready for this wild ride at Venture Church. Now, if I have to do it by myself, that's fine. But there's a lot of folks in here, I believe, are ready for the real deal. We're tired of just going through the motions. We're ready for the great outpouring of God's Holy Spirit on his people. There's going to be a church. That church will be pure. That church will be righteous. That church will be holy. It will be the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That church will not back up. That church will not give in. That church will not give up. We were not designed for fear. We're not designed for fear. We're not designed for hatred. We're not designed for bigotry. We're not designed for discrimination. Our doors are open to everyone. Our hearts are open no matter who you are, no matter what you look like. You are welcome here. You belong in this place. 
This is the creed of the church. The coming years of this new day, of this young millennium we live in and we sit in today will be characterized, I believe, by diversity of all kinds. The church is uniquely ready for this hour. Jesus would say, if any man thirst, let him come unto me. If any man thirst, let him come unto me. He forever ended discrimination, bigotry, and racism on a housetop in Joppa when he told Simon Peter, call not what I have cleansed common or unclean. And Peter responded for all of us when he declared, I perceive God is no respecter of persons. You say, why am I, pastor, why are you even talking about that on a Sunday morning? Why not? A pastor needs to get up in his pulpit and tell you that society and culture and politicians are lying to you. They're deceivers and dividers. This gospel is not a cultural phenomenon. It works anywhere, everywhere, to anybody at all times. This gospel message works. When the Lord Jesus Christ founded the church, he quilted it out of a patchwork of cultures, Jewish in its roots, Oriental in its conception, European in its incubation, American in its organization, but universal in its appeal, universal in its power, and universal in its effectiveness. God designed this church. We are not designed to fear. We are not designed for bigotry. We're not designed for defeat. Greater is he, I'm almost done. Come on, Nick, I'm already tired. I'm not even preaching hard yet. Greater is he that is in me. Come on, say it, say it, say it out loud to yourself right now. Greater is he that is in me. Not you, don't, I want you to talk about anybody else. You're talking about you. Not your, not your spouse, you. Not your kids, you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on, there's nothing the world can throw at you, nothing the devil can do to you. Come on, somebody. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. No matter what's attacking me, greater is he that is in me. God didn't create you to be defeated. Greater is he, it doesn't matter what's happening right now in your life doesn't matter what's going on in the church or in this world. You are a part of the design of God for all the ages, the plan of God for all time. You are designed for this. You are destined for this. And you are destined, hear me, you are destined for triumph. Every person in this room is destined to be triumphant. Oh, God, that should have been a better one than that. Put, maybe we need to put some rap or something on. Get, get some country clang or something swinging up in there. We got to get y'all moving. See, y'all, everybody in here is going to be stoned. That's all right. We already took your offerings. Guess what? I win in the end. I don't get nervous about that. Some of y'all getting all nervous now. God designed us and destined us to be triumphant. Upon this rock, I will build my church. If I stopped right there, that should be enough to shout. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not, will not, never will prevail against the church. We are designed for this hour. He's designed us for this day, specifically for this millennium. Are you ready for the church to be the church? We're designed for now. All right, I got to end with this. Are y'all ready yet? 
I'm hot, man. <laughs> Woo, I'm sweating. But I believe there's a bunch of people in here, you're about to make a, you're about to make a commitment like you've never made before. You got it in your heart right now. Do you feel it in your, in your heart right now? It's resonating. Come on. Come on. I, I can't bring you to salvation. I can't make you love the Lord. I can't make you do any of that. All I can do is try to inspire you and let you know there's hope, man. There's hope today. He's designed you and destined you for greatness. Everyone in here. Well, I'm not this or I'm not that. Quit looking at what you're not. And how do you know anyway? God gifted you. Take the handcuffs off. He designed you and destined you. Some of y'all just keep messing it up and then blame God for it. You messed it up and then want to blame other folk. I don't care how bad you were hurt, it wasn't their fault that you're sinning. That was a little heavy, wasn't it? <laughs> okay, I'll stop my heavy stuff for Sunday morning. It's nobody's fault you living like the devil. Nobody's fault you denying Jesus. Nobody's fault whether you're faithful or not faithful. You have to deal with that in your mirror. We are designed for this day. We don't need to adapt to anything in this world. We don't need to conform to anything in this world. This world has nothing to offer me. We have to live here. We have to be here. Yes, we're a pilgrim going through, but I don't have to be of this place. Some of y'all just need to, you need to rescind your citizenship. Y'all listening to me? Rescind your citizenship in this earth and say, no, no, I'm just passing through. It's a temporary residence. Come on, let me leave you my forwarding address. We don't need to adapt to anything or conform to anything in this world. We're not lost in another place, another hour, another time. Our path is certain. Our vision's clear. Our steps are firm. We've confirmed our calling. We've confirmed our election. You'll quit struggling when you make your mind up. I don't know why I'm struggling so much. How long will you be in? Y'all don't want me to do this. We have confirmed our calling, our election, our hearts are fixed, our minds are made up. The gospel message never gets old and it's timeless. 2,000 years ago and it's still alive and well. We're the only church, remember don't get confused with the church house, that still has a living Savior. We're the only ones that have a God that's alive. Cancer can't kill the church. Diabetes can't take the church out. The American heart disease can't give us enough. COPD or leukemia will not stop it. AIDS won't stop it. Alcoholism or drug addiction won't kill the church. Your poor choices won't kill the church. Your harmful relationships and broken families and poor decisions will not kill the church. And let me tell somebody something. COVID-19 couldn't kill it and monkeypox won't kill it. The church is alive and well. The church is still preaching. The church is still believing. The church is still reaching. The church is still pursuing. Why don't we stand?
Come on, somebody. We need to still be the church. We need to still shout and dance. We need to still talk in tongues and not be ashamed. We need to still believe. God designed us. God destined us. He positioned us. And yes, as Esther, he's put us here for such a time as this. All the stuff you've gone through to get to this moment got you to this moment. Woo, good Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm going to be all by myself speaking in tongues here in a minute. If you want to renew your faith in the Lord today, not that you've been doubting, not you, maybe you've been weak by life and you believe that you're designed on purpose for his purpose, that he's destined you, why don't you come pray? Why don't you come pray? And somebody come, bring somebody with you. Just re recommit, rededicate right now. He brought you here for this moment. The church is alive and well, and I'm going to be a part of it. The world's not pulling me away from it. Come on. How long are you going to be in your poor choices? How long are you going to keep blaming folk? We're the church. We're the church of the living God. Act like you got him. Act like he lives in you. Come on. Be the church. In Jesus' name, I'm going to try to get with everybody up here. I may have to call on, on Brother Doug to help me too. Come on. Anybody else? I love that. Come on, I love this. It's a good representation of who's here today. Come on, I'm, I'm the church. Come on, say it. Even where you're standing, say it. I'm the church. Come on, I'm the church. I'm the church. The church is not dead church is alive come on the gospel message is here we got it and we got the building to bring them in and to love them <laughs> yes come on reach Jesus reach reach in your pew chairs come on y'all reach right where you're at reach all you that came to this altar come on you're here